Welcome to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, episode 134. Usually, this Monday night podcast, I am joined by Brandon, and in fact, I was earlier. And then when I went to do the editing, I realized that the files were all corrupted. So I could either ditch it or do it myself because it is way too late to get a hold of Brandon. Now it is past midnight, the witching hour. So now I figured it's going to be me alone and it stinks because me and Brandon had a fun time tonight. But it's just going to be me, myself, and I. And I want to start by telling you where you can find us all over the intranet. You can go over to Twitter, and our Twitter account is WS Marvel Comics. If you follow us, we'll follow you back 100%, and we can talk about all sorts of things. We could talk about comics, specifically Marvel stuff. I don't know. I would say that most people listening might want to talk about that. We can talk about sports. We can talk about such things as Billie Eilish or maybe The Edge Turning to the WWE A lot of things that I enjoy But I think that we'd mostly talk about Marvel Comics uh, You can also go over to our website At weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com Pretty easy to remember And you can go there to read All of our reviews for almost every book That comes out each and every week From Marvel Our reviews mostly drop at 9am On Wednesday Eastern Standard Time Though we're going to have some early Reviews and things like that coming up Also during the week we have Previews and news and solicit Stuff all that sort of thing but that Is weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com We also have a Patreon Account where you can go and support Us for this podcast for all Of these podcasts this one the Friday night one that I do uh, And all the DC stuff And everything you can go to patreon.com Slash weirdscience and end up Supporting us for as little as a dollar Each level you go up you get more more shows one of the big shows that you can get is the patreon only spotlight picked by the bad butts of the fresh start crew fresh start and this past week they ended up picking atlantis attacks number one and guardians of the galaxy number one the al ewing number one and the greg pock atlantis attacks number one me and brandon talked about that that spotlight comes out each and every wednesday night usually around 10 10 30 or so but we have a bunch of other shows. I figured since I did a bunch of Marvel shows recently this past week, I thought I'd give you a little peek at some of the things that we do end up doing. You know, just this past week, I had a Marvel Back Issues podcast that I talked and reviewed. New Avengers number one from 2014, the Brian Michael Bendis coming out of Avengers Disassembled. I also did a Marvel Secret Origins podcast on MODOK. It always makes me laugh. We had the Marvel Comics December 2019 sales podcast, so the recent sales for Marvel. I ended up going through that and giving you my opinions on some things and kind of looking at past sales comparatively. Also had the Marvel Comics April 2020 solicits podcast, where I ended up going through all the solicits for the April solicits and talking about stuff and what I'm enjoying, what I hope to see, things I'm looking forward to, stuff like that. But there's one 
last thing. This coming up week, the week that we're already starting, but as we go into New Comic Book Day and all that, it is a fifth Wednesday coming up for the month. That is usually what DC people call an annuals week because you usually have a bunch of annuals and we always have that week. There's only a couple a year. We have that week as a Patreon only podcast over at the DC side of things. And we've decided to start doing that over here at the Marvel deal. Now, with that, it's going to be pretty crazy because there's a ton of books. If you go and you want to listen to my podcast on Friday night, me and Brandon talking next Monday, bunch of things at the end of the podcast tonight, I will tell you what we're planning on doing for each show. But because it is Patreon only as well, uh, we're going to throw in a third show next week probably just by me that's going to have a couple books as well but it looks like our plan and like i said i'll keep them secret what the books will be but there's uh probably about nine to twelve books that we'll talk about total somewhere around that a lot of books they'll be on the patreon if you don't want to get involved but uh, you know you could just say hey I don't want to do that, Jim. So it basically then just kind of pretend we took a week off and then come back in two weeks and we'll be back with the regular shows. But if you want to end up listening to all of it, go to patreon.com slash weird science. And I want to tell you, if you do sign up on February 1st, and this is a little hint, sign up on February 1st, you'll get to hear all these shows plus a ton of other stuff. Plus you get all the stuff that we've already done in the past, which were up to almost a thousand podcasts. So you can listen to a, th- a thousand different shows, which is crazy. Um, But if you sign up on February 1st, you end up not getting charged when you sign up. Some Patreons do that. I don't like to do that. I want you to be able to see what you're getting before you end up plopping down the money. And in fact, you will not be charged until uh, March 1st. What am I saying? Because you have February. So you get a full month of February for free. And then by that time, by March 1st, you get to decide if you like what you hear. If you continue on, you will be charged them what you had pledged. But if you don't like it, you can end up quitting at any time before March 1st and you'll never be charged. So I hope that wasn't too confusing. Basically, sign up on February 1st, check it out for a month. Hopefully you like it. If you don't, you can bail and never pay and break my heart. But that's fine. That is fine just as long as you give it a shot. We usually do this so that you'll give it a shot because we do so many shows. And I think a variety of good shows that I think that once you get to hear some of them, You'll be hooked, but let's get on to the books. Like I said, me and Brandon already talked about these. We weren't so pleased with these. We weren't so pleased with what we got these last two books of the week that we're going to talk about. And really, we're kind of to the end of the line of picking books for the show. There weren't a lot of books out for Marvel this week. Uh, Some of the things we haven't been reading, some of the things I'm still trying to catch up on. But these are things that are kind of right down our alley that we do like. One being the Ruins of Ravencroft series that I've been talking about on my Friday show, and I've really been enjoying them. I've been enjoying them as a kind of a thing that I usually don't like, a horror comic, but also I like the characters involved. I like seeing the history of Ravencroft Institute, seeing how this goes leading up to this Ravencroft number one that we're actually going to get next week. And so going into this last one, this is the last one before you get Ravencroft number one, I really thought, okay, 
It's been building a bit. We're going to see going to the present what's going on at Ravencroft Institute, what leads to the present day deal. Obviously, we know that it got destroyed by carnage, but some things that might lead into some other stuff. So you end up and it threw me off right away. But first, I'll give you the credits. I forgot the credits. I'm getting so excited to talk to you about this. I forgot the credits. It is Ruins of Ravencroft Dracula, number one. It's Frank Thierry writing. Art in the modern day is Angel Unzueta. Art in the flashback is Stefano Landini. Colors by Rachel Rosenberg and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And here is the blurb. After the events of Absolute Carnage, the Ravencroft Institute for the Criminally Insane has been decimated and its secrets are spilling out. With Jonas, a Ravencroft's journal discovered beneath the rubble, Mayor Wilson Fisk, John Jameis, and Misty Knight and Reed Richards have descended below the original institute and stumbled upon the unwanted. These grotesque creatures attacked the group once unleashed, but were contained back within their prison. Though there may be more secrets that Ravencroft is withholding from the group. Now, the group, they just said, with Reed Richards, Misty Knight, John Jameson, Fisk, it changes a bit here. First off, Fisk is gone. Uh, He is gone. And out of nowhere, we have Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Falcon, and Bucky, Winter Soldier. And you end up having Misty as an aside say, yeah, that's why I called you guys in because it's pretty crazy here. I go, what are you doing? We ended up having this whole thing set up with our group going through. Yeah, the group was a little confusing to me at first anyway. You know, Reed and Misty. Misty and John make sense. And then when Fisk showed up, you know, Kingpin shows up and it makes sense as well. He's the mayor. He said he was checking out the things. He ended up having a deal with John so that they end up kind of overlooking some of his past indiscretions. But also he's going to get a job at Ravencroft Institute once they rebuild it. But this is all about finding this underneath deal, this dungeon type deal, finding out what went in, what went on during that whole deal of leading up to the present. You end up having this journal. So everything was kind of leading to the present day with this group, with what I assumed at the end for them to say, well, you know, we already started building. This is pretty much crappy land. I mean, pretty much doomed. It's cursed land. But, you know, hey, we're already there. So let's seal up down below. Maybe we can do some hocus pocus down the line, whatever. And we'll build the Institute. And then you're going to get just pretty much history repeating when you end up having the mentally, you know, insane and all these bad villains come in that you get the idea. Oh, they they moved the, the gravestones, but they didn't move the graves. I mean, this is classic tropes of horror. And instead, you start out, and I'm thrown off right away. Danny Rand, Luke Cage, Sam Wilson, and, and Bucky. And the thing is, this is an issue where on the cover, you see a Captain America fighting Dracula. Okay, that's cool. That looks awesome. So what you have here is Bucky there. To grab the book and read the book and say, give that to me, John, because John ends up turning into Manwolf for no real reason at all. He just does because there is nothing really going on in the present except for the fact that they're going to a doorway that's no longer there. So they're at a dead end. And so they end up having the book where Bucky's like, give me that book. I want to read it. Huh? These unwanted, they're pretty crazy, but I know they're real. You know why? Because I was there. And you end up like, well, why aren't they around a campfire? 
making s'mores. And, and really, they're not because s'mores are terrible and I think they're the worst things you could ever eat. But this idea of these characters showing up, I will tell you right now, Iron Fist does nothing. Luke Cage does nothing. Sam Wilson, nothing. And that, let's keep going. Reed Richards, nothing. This is nothing. And so when you're leading up to this, plus you end up with the most awful ending to this journal and also the fact that we only end in like 1945. You're just done. Now we're going to start. And so I'm worried that the idea of these being this prequel to Ravencroft number one, that this is now not really a prequel series, you know, little mini series that they have with all these little tie-ins and this cross. It, it's more of like, yeah, we're going to show you little things, but once we get to Ravencroft, we're just going to tell you the story then. And I'm really going to be upset because I thought that this was going to lead to something. I thought that this was going to be important. I was getting excited, but really the penultimate issue or actually the final issue, the final issue before the Ravencroft number one, this is a dud. And it really threw me off and it really makes me upset thinking, okay, well, I was kind of excited for this Ravencroft. I don't think now, but we even start where Bucky's reading the journal and you end up having just this narration through journal entries. And it's like, you know, time marches on. It did for me. It did for the Ravencroft Institute and its staff. And you kind of get caught up where you have, you know, when, when we were dismissed, when Dr. Claudia Russell ended up leaving and the, the, the Mr. Sinister stuff, we just had to go on. And you're, you're ending up with these things. And this is what gets me right away. You go through a time, 1918, the appearance of a so-called master of the world, a man who claimed to be 40,000-year-old caveman, that I think he was closer to 40. So you end up having Ravencroft be studying these people, and he's trying to kind of go with the idea of like, okay, well, this isn't really what they're saying. This isn't really what they're saying, kind of going from the last issue as well. But when, when you end up having... You know, all these things and what happened if this is real or whatever, but they're still going. 1923, Al Capone and Silas Burr break out. All right. Then in 1932, and this is where I start getting upset about this. It says, not even the arrival of the skinwalker. I dot, 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 still don't know exactly what he was supposed to be, even to this day. So you spell out that Ravencroft has this monstrosity. You end up seeing, if you if you have the issue, it looks like the skinwalker is kind of like a wild animal deer with bad fangs, and he's upright, and he's got horns. It's just an awful thing. He has a lady, looks like he's you know already killed her and taken her. So you end up, the skinwalker, I don't know what it was, even to this day, it's a mystery. Oh, my. It's a supernatural mystery. The next page, the next page, the next panel says, all these incidents, however unusual, could be explained away through conventional means. Y- you just said that you couldn't. You just said that this was something so crazy. And to this day, you don't know what it is. But now, no, we figured it out. And we're not going to tell you. Or he didn't figure it out, but he's, you know, he's trying to make himself feel smart. So you're, you're then where they have in 1933 a new guy a new person here an inmate if you will and it's loki so that's okay loki here we go we know about loki they end up going down you have ravencroft and his staff they go down loki's in a padded room and they're like oh so mr loki what's going on and loki just starts talking as normal trash and it's okay he's like well i just figured you're either going to release me now or just stand there it's like a slack-jawed yokel when you end up having me 
help myself out and then you'll just be doing and, and by the way go look out the window like out the window and they walk over to the window and look out and in the reflection you see the doctor is suddenly in the straight jacket with his staff with this other doctor and, and there's loki outside waving as if he is now in the movie say anything and he's playing in your eyes to dr ravencroft but it doesn't go anywhere it's just a weird scene it just happens. And that's that. So we move on. And we move on to see that Mr. Sinister, he's going to go off uh, to the Nazis even and go to Germany. He may help out. We know, you know, that kind of goes that route. Also, just all these different things going on. You end up seeing Cap. Um, but you end up with the Dr. Ravencroft. Well, I thought this was all bad, but it was just about to get worse because now they're doing experiments and they're doing experiments on a guy who they're ending up. What you find out are the experiments is for Baron Blood and Dracula. And they're doing experiments on people to try to figure out if they can come up with a way that they can get rid of all the weaknesses of vampires so that you can give it to Dracula. So now they, they could be day walkers they can go around, you know, all that stuff. And it really doesn't go anywhere. You end up with they're trying to do this. They can't. You end up having Ravencroft get, you know, get threatened. There's also another Professor Thornton involved who is going on. And you get Ravencroft with this whole idea of, you know, pretty much my institute has been overtaken. They, the government is there because this is kind of a governmental thing that if we can get the vampires on our side, on the ally side, boy, that would be the greatest. At one point, you have Dracula who's just like, you better hurry up with this. And you have, you know, Ravencroft saying, well, you waited this long. I mean, you've had enough problems. And even this other uh, Dr. Thornton, this Professor Thornton, they're like, listen, Dracula, you waited all this time. I mean, this may take a couple weeks, but you should have the patience. I don't have the patience. Well, then go to the Nazis. They'll love you. No, I'm not going to go to the Nazis. So all this is going on where you just doing this deal where they're trying to figure out a way for Dracula to get rid of his weaknesses. And this is where out of nowhere, and this is the force deal. I don't know why Bucky had to be reading the journal to get this anyway, because they were already reading the journal before it's in the journal. So Bucky's just now, I guess, filling in the blanks as he's telling his story, spinning a yarn. Uh, you end up having Bucky and Cap show up because they never leave a man behind. Their their buddy Bud, who worked with them in the war, fought with them in the war. When he came home, uh, he or at least you know they let him go while the war is going on. He isn't right. He came back a little you know wrong PTSD, whatever it may be. But they sent him the Ravencroft. And his wife ended up asking Cap, can you go and help him? And they said, Bud always looked out for me when we were kids. You know, this is a guy in the neighborhood who was just a good guy. So they did agree. We will go and find Bud. Uh, so you end up where this is going on and Bucky and Cap kind of go separate ways to go figure out what's going on. And you end up having Bucky find and it's Lieutenant William Bud Adams this is his full name. And Bucky finds him and he is a monstrosity. It's obvious they've been doing experiments. It's not a shock. We, we've seen this going into this. We've seen the craziness, the unwanted. He's one of the unwanted. All these things going on. Now, if you really thought that Bucky, and I hope you guys are reading this so that I can kind of, you know, make a little joke with you. But yeah, if you want Bucky to do something good for Bud, give him a, a baby Ruth because he looks like sloth. 
his face looks like sloth from the Goonies, though he's also got bat wings and what appears to be a large bunch of poop coming out of him. I don't know what he's. He's a monstrosity. I'm telling you, Bucky should look at him and just throw up. Well, of course, he looks in. He's like, hey, sloth, what's up? Butterfinger. He doesn't say it, actually. It's it's not Len Matuzak underneath the mask. It's actually Bud. And he says, kill me, kill me. And Bucky looks there. And he does, I guess, because at the end he even says to Cap. He doesn't say, yeah, I kind of killed him. He does say to Cap, did you find Bud? Oh, I found him. Well, what's wrong? He didn't make it. And so at least give me a bang of a gun off screen, but, you know, off panel. But you don't get that. He just looks. But as this is going on, you have Cap who shows up where all this experiments are going on. And this is where you pretty much ring the bell and it's Cap versus Dracula. Sounds cool. Not really that cool. And I will stop a second to tell you that this flashback art, I do not like. I don't like it at all. I like the present day art enough. At the end, it gets very cartoony, which I think that it would be cool. In some books, it doesn't really fit to be the last part of this pretty much horror miniseries that we kind of got going here. But I hate to throw you know too much shade, but Stefano Landini, his flashback art, it does remind me of Rob Rice's art, especially in the Winter Soldier miniseries uh, that you had a little bit ago. And I didn't like that art, and I don't like this. Uh, I think it's inconsistent. I think that the characters' faces look terrible. Cap goes from maybe looking at points to be a 20-year-old to a 70-year-old. Maybe it's just because he's working hard. He's getting tired. I know how that is. But I really don't like it. But what I like less is the non-story going on here because now it's just it's Cap versus Dracula. And yeah, that's the marquee event. That's what you see on the cover. But it doesn't really do anything. At one point, you know, Cap ends up throwing his shield. It ends up missing Dracula. And the funny thing is I, I haven't seen a ton of Cap, especially with the classic shield. This is not the round shield. This is, you know, the classic shield. And it kind of does zip back. It seemed kind of silly because he ends up throwing it. Dracula, for some reason, turns into a, a bat for two seconds only to get grabbed by Cap. And I, I, that's disgusting. You, you're going you're gonna to get the rabies, Cap. I, I know you have the super serum and all that, but you're going to get the super rabies in a minute. Uh, but yeah, only for Dracula to turn back and punch him. That's all this stuff going back and forth and back and forth. And there really isn't any resolution. I love at the one point, though, you end up having Cap have the shield. He throws the shield, misses Dracula, but then it swings around and comes back, hits Dracula in the back of the neck. Uh, It looks like he's down, but then Dracula suddenly is behind Cap and throws him into a wall, which seems as if Cap then got knocked out. Everybody that got guns on him, they're figuring out, you know, what's going to go on. And as Cap is pretty much going to be taken down by Thornton, you know, Baron Blood, all these guys, you end up having Ravencroft say, you know what? I'm done with this government. I'm done with your goons. I'm done with doing these experiments. You are tainting my family's name. You're tainting my name. Look at me. I have round glasses and a beard. I'm pretty cool. I'm not going to go for that. And ends up opening that room that was the unwanted room that, you know, the big metal door opening it to let out the monstrosities to fight with him against Dracula against Baron Blood, against Thornton, against all these government goons type deal. But again, we're just 
throwing this out there. This does not do anything. This one, the others seem to be going somewhere. It seemed to be telling you more about the Institute, more about things. This just ends up being, well, we have one more. Let's throw out a Dracula versus Cap, but not really, and and just get it done with and get to the actual series. And that's what threw me off. I, I really was enjoying this. So you end up where then the hero... Ravencroft, who lets out the unwanted, he decides, listen, you know what? I'm going to take it a step further because you guys have sullied my name so much and done so much. You know, I'm not going to stay to make it right. I'm not going to end up helping these unwanted, these monstrosities. I'm not going to maybe even work with Cap and Bucky about things. Nope. I'm going to pick up a gun and kill myself. And he does. He commits suicide. I'm like, what's going on? Like, This is what we get. All right. This sounds awesome. Uh, Yeah, and then you go to the present where you end up having that's the like at the end, like, boy, it really started better this journal, but it had a crazy twist ending, didn't it? Uh, You end up having John and Misty there. Now, again, we're now going into the future a bit because now the new Ravencroft Institute is built. It's built. So where's where's Iron Fist? What happened with Luke Cage? Where's, you know, Mr. Fantastic? Where's Bucky? These didn't matter. You just end up going into the future with the facility already built with Misty and John Jameson, who we started out with. And please, we didn't need this other stuff. And so you get to the end of this, and all I can sit there and think is, I didn't need to read these. I enjoyed the the other ones. Not this one. And this one is basically like a slap in the face. It's like, yeah, you know, all that. Yeah, it didn't matter. Slap right upside the face. I get that enough here at my house from my kids and my wife. Please, that's a cry for help, people. But yeah, you have all this going on just so they look out and say, yeah, Misty, all right, you ready? We're going to get this going. Uh, You know, everything's great. It's great. We got all the cells back in and everybody disappeared. It's just nonsense. And she looks out the window. And like, all right, showtime. And you see all the crazy prisoners being led in to this new institute. And, you know, one of the big ones is Mr. Hyde, which is kind of funny that you see him. And I can only assume that he has come directly from the magnificent Miss Marvel book. Um, But, yeah, he even says, like, he goes by and that's where John and Misty kind of come out to see what's going on. And they're like, huh. Hey, smell the big bad wolf. You want to see my teeth? Ha <laughs> ha! And then you end up having Misty Knight say to Hyde, like, hey, are you going to be spitting out those teeth uh, courtesy of this big metal arm I got? Oh, my saucy. And they go, I'm like, what happened here? What happened to the deal? So then just insult to injury, just because you got to set up things out of nowhere, which we had all these issues. You had things. Don't give me Iron Fist. Don't, don't give me Fisk if you're not going to finish with them it, because a limo shows up and out comes Norman Osborn and he comes out and they're like, oh man, Norman Osborn, you have, you know, John, what the hell are you doing here? And then you have Misty like, yeah, like, why are you pulling up in a limo? You should be in a cage. And he goes, oh my, well, it seems that after that absolute carnage thing, people realized that I was being controlled by carnage. That was just a thing. And so I'm better now. And I've been hired here as a consultant because of my history in the place and working with those less fortunate. I'm thinking to myself, all right, you end up having Norman Osborne. I don't care what he was controlled by. I don't care if Carnage, you could actually see strings coming out of his arms and legs and you had Carnage there using him as a marionette. There's no way he is going to be hired to be a consultant at a mental health institution, no matter what. I mean, these things are not... 
it's very out on Front Street that he has some problems. Here he is. He's now going to work with John Jameson. How dare he? We get a werewolf and a crazy man who who, who knows what he's going to turn into next working. Yeah, I don't think that Ravencroft Institute is going to go very well. But then it ends just, you know. To be continuing, last thing that John says to Misty, hey, Misty, how does that phrase about history and being doomed to repeat it go again? And I wonder, say, well, it's kind of like history and being doomed to repeat it again. I don't know what you want here, but you just said it. And that's how a lot of this stuff is. It's just forced. And I think you see that you forced it a little too much. You tried to squeeze too much out of this, and there wasn't enough story to lead into this Ravencroft number one. So here we just get... You know, things just thrown at you, but I have no idea why you added all these other characters and why we even had, say, Mr. Fantastic here, Reed Richards, even in the beginning, because he really didn't do anything except at one point where they had a bunch of equipment. Boy, this looks like a lot of equipment and preserved things. All right, thanks. Thank you, Reed. Now I, I hear that Sue is yelling for you. It's dinner time. I'll ta ta. I'll see you later. Though he just hangs in the back, but why you don't even end with Fisk there. You know, if Fisk came into the limo and ended up bringing Norman, we already saw that he forced John into kind of having a job where Misty was like, oh, I don't know about that. If you would have had Fisk pull up again and say, well, I'm like, I thought we had a deal. Pray I don't alter it more. And says, by the way, I pulled some strings. Norman here is going to work. Now it may end up like that, but have it here. Have it where... Because there's no other reason. It's nonsense. And just have like even have some weird prisoners come in where they're like, wait a second, they shouldn't be there. And it's all like the machinations of Fisk doing something behind the scenes. I don't something more than this. This is just it was nonsense. I give it a four out of ten. I I do like the present day art enough. I liked it more at the beginning than at the end. At the end, it got a little cartoony. Uh, Like I said, it is kind of the the Marvel way. But the mighty Marvel way, but it didn't fit the whole, you know, scheme of things, the whole tone of this entire bunch of books. It was more cartoony, more like that. I would have liked it a little more dark, but the flashback art in this one just didn't do it for me. I didn't like it very much. I thought things changed too much and it just pretty much looked ugly. And I I don't need to see sloth in a thing because then it makes me hungry for a baby Ruth. And I'll tell you, I think they're the most garbage candy bars there are. But I am in day, I think, 23 now of the whole 30 diet and boy i haven't had sugar in 23 days i haven't had i I, i'd go for a baby ruth right now i may even look like sloth right now how hungry i am but yeah four out of ten when we were talking about it brandon gave the same score so now i'm going to move on to the next book which is the web of venom the good son and this is you know a number one one shot you you have all these things me and brandon have been asking you know when are we going to find out more information about dylan And I thought, well, we're probably going to have to wait till the end of Venom Island. Now, something is going on that they wanted you to end up finding out more beforehand. And so we get this. Now, I will give you the credits and then I have a little bit of a commentary, maybe a hot take even on this whole deal. But it's written by Zach Thompson. It's pencils by Dio Nieves. And I, anybody named Dio, I'm in. Inks by Oren Jr. Uh, I wish he was the third, like Oren Jr. the third. That'd be cool. Color artist, uh, Rain Barreto. And VCs Clayton Cowles. On letters, here is the... 
bit of a blurb. Recently, the serial killer Cletus Cassidy unleashed a wave of terror across the country as the mad symbiote carnage, searching for anyone with symbiote DNA locked within their spines. Eddie Brock, the lethal protector known as Venom, and his son Dylan were able to defeat carnage, but not before Eddie unlocked the symbiote god called Null from his cage. This Quintar. With Noel on his way to Earth, Eddie must take precautions and has left Dylan with Normie Osborne's parents, Harry Osborne and Liz Allen, while he embarks on his own mission, which is Venom Island. So going into this, I really like Dylan. I feel bad for him. I feel real bad for him. We see that he has a secret. He has more of an identity and a link to Noel than anybody knows. You're wondering when is he going to reveal this to Eddie, maybe even Normie, whoever it might be. We just recently saw that he has a sliver of the carnage uh, symbiote as well in a little jar. It's not a good idea. And there's things where you end up being a kid, an adult, anybody, where you're doing things that you know, you know what, I shouldn't really be doing this. Like maybe you shouldn't be skinny dipping in a pool down the road, right? You're a kid. We, We used to call it pool hopping. We do some of that. And, you know, you know, you shouldn't be doing that, but, you know, whatever. But having a sliver of the carnage symbiote in a jar after all that happened in absolute carnage, after what you know that you have a connection for, which may be kind of pulling some strings, but I'm not getting a lot of vibe about that at points. But that that's worse. That's like, uh, hey, you want to go pool hopping? No, no, I think we should go burn down the school. Now you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. And you know that. And you know that things are not going to go well from that. It's never going to work out right. And that, to me, is what you end up having Dylan with that sliver of the Carnage symbiote. Now, in the meantime, I still like Dylan. I think that he is a a good character. I want to have more of his interactions with Eddie. Unfortunately, Eddie got called away and had to go or didn't get called away. He wanted to go away and went off to Venom Island, left Dylan a note. But in the meantime, you ended up in absolute carnage. Him and Normie, very cute little kids together. You have, you know, pretty much... Dylan saving Normie at points. He ended up having him just, you know, destroying the symbiote off of Norman, his pop pop, as he says in here as well. You have that going on. Then you have points where you have Dylan just crying and saying, you know, you left me with, you know, your dad, which ends up being his grandfather. And, you know, you left me. I got beat. He just beat the crap out of me. I'm so sad. And you really took to this character. I don't think that there's anybody who's reading the Venom book that at least at the least feel, you know, you feel sorry for him. But I really like him. So you go into this issue, this one shot. And I'm like, okay, a one shot, you end up having it's all about Normie and Dylan. So we're going to get some answers. We're going to get some things. You also have the sleeper symbiote there. So we got some things going on. But is it called the good son? Because basically what they're saying is, listen, up until this point, Dylan was pretty much Macaulay Culkin. You end up having him an Uncle Buck. You end up having him in the Home Alones. Well, now we have to be the kid. He's America's sweetheart. And if you listen to DC's podcast, our DC podcast, uh, I for, forgive me, Eric Shea, but Macaulay was America's sweetheart. He, he was everybody's son. Everybody loved him. I mean, he couldn't do any wrong. So to change things up. He does the good somewhere. You get this kid that everybody loves and turns him into a monster, turns him into just an awful, awful kid who just torments and tortures and wants to kill and is just bad. That's what happens here. That's what happens to both Dylan 
and normie, and I don't like it. I I know it must be setting something up. In my mind, what it's setting up as, Donnie Cates is there. You know what? I made a mistake. I really didn't want people to like Dylan. I thought they'd hate him. So then when I kill him, when Null does finally come back in the deal, people would be happy or at least not upset. And I think that it's one of those, we better make him just awful. So when he dies, or... You're doing another thing where you're trying to make him awful starting here to go down the line, blah, 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 for him then to redeem himself when you end up having it. Because he does have this big connection with Null where we end up going. Well, Zach Thompson goes into this. And this is another one. I do not like the art throughout. And maybe if you do, you can explain to me what the heck happens to these kids every time you get a close up or when they're mad or when they just become devils and yeah it's a stylistic thing i guess just it's just awful well it even starts where you have normie sees that letter that eddie wright wrote to dylan so he gets it and you have this whole deal and i'm like why are you doing this because at the end you get the whole letter and it's dylan i have to go away for a while my other is not right and i don't want to drag you any further into this liz and normie will keep you company until i'm back i promise this is for the best i'm doing it for you because i love you you are my world and then Dylan's like, yuck, or not Dylan, you have Normie go, yuck. But the thing is, he doesn't destroy the letter. He doesn't do anything with it. And most of the stuff, except maybe I had to go away, but doesn't give a location. Um, why is why are you having Normie read it? It really doesn't progress anything. You could have just had Dylan wake up and read the letter himself, because then you end up having Dylan have the letter. Now, you don't have Normie letting on that he knows, but really, what, what, what do you have to know? He, he got dropped off there because Eddie was going away. That's all the letter says. He left, and, and they know this. You know, he's going to be there with Liz and Harry and Normie anyway, so it's just odd. You have the sleeper, symbiote, all these things, but you end up where you have Dylan rip up the letter. He's mad. And Normie say to Dylan, like, hey, you're going to end up telling anybody what you did to my pop-pop. I mean, you really were bad. You ended up just destroying him. And you end up having Dylan turn so evil. And he goes, no, I didn't tell him because Eddie kept a secret from me. So why would I feel bad about keeping one from him? And again, if I'm guessing, okay, this the, it's the carnage symbiote. Oh, no, no, it's no, it's this thing. We're not getting that. It's just out of nowhere. He is becoming a psycho, but also so is Normie. And so you have these kids that I love and they're going like, all right, well, whatever. And they go back and forth with the, you're an awful symbiote kid. Well, you're a goblin kid. Oh, yeah, but you're a goblin symbiote. Goblin symbiote. We're both monsters. Yeah. And they get all excited. Also, Normie spells out. Hey, look, I can't leave the house. We're trapped here because I got this tracker on me. I'm not allowed to leave. We're on total lockdown. It gets boring. I hate it. Oh, it's the worst. I'm like, yeah, that is the worst. But Normie's like, come here because you know what else I found? I found a secret compartment that we can go down into that has all the goblin tech. They were keeping it secret from me, but here it is. I'm like, all right, well, I guess that's set up for later. Because they really don't do too much. But as this is going on, you end up having, you know, uh, Dylan say, hey, aren't your parents going to freak out if they find out that you know this and all that and all these secrets? And then out of nowhere again, 
evil Dylan. Remember how I blew up your grandpa's symbiote and saved us? I didn't destroy everything, but I kept a piece. And then shows him the carnage bit. The little left little sliver of the carnage symbiote. Normie's all excited. This is where he should go right to Liz and say, Mommy, there's some problems here. There is a carnage. Like, they both know this shouldn't be going, but they don't even play it out. And then later, they fool Sleeper by just saying things that really shouldn't make sense. And Sleeper's supposed to be there to watch over them as well, not doing a good job. You end up later where they're eating what appears to be dinner. They're there going on, and out of nowhere, you end up with like, hey, you're going to turn in the goblin again, you monster. Ah! And then you end up having Dylan spill his drink, but then out of nowhere... Sleeper jumps up. You have Dylan holding the sliver of the carnage symbiote, like pulling it back. I don't understand the scene, but then he wanted to show Sleeper that he had it in one of the oddest cuckold carnage scenes that there's ever been, I think, because then they go back to bed, Normie and Dylan. And again, it's like eight o'clock and they got sent to bed. You know, you have Dylan there with the carnage symbiote and you have Normie. Hey, I think Sleeper saw you with that carnage symbiote. Yeah, I wanted him to watch. Let him watch. And like, yeah, I I showed him what I wanted him to see. I'm like, what? What's going on? And so then Dylan gets up and he says, I can control it. He thinks that it's silly putty. He's throwing it around the room. It gets out of the way. It knocks down the lamp. Oh, my, maybe I can't control it. But how about we sneak out of here and go have fun? Yeah, but I have a tracker on. (laughs) Not as far as I think. And you end up the carnage symbiote just goes over this tracker, takes it away, eats I don't know, eats it, it's gone. And they can go out on the town. But you know, since they're sneaking out, they have to get the worst looking wooden, I don't know, mud face boy masks, put them on to go out. And when we were talking about it earlier, Brandon even said, you see any kids going around a mess like this when it's not Halloween, you are calling 9-1 and then you have your other finger ready to hit the other one because it looks like trouble's coming out. They look horrendous. It's also the art. But why are they going around with masks? They, they snuck out. The tracker isn't there. If anything, they're, if they're going to get caught, they're going to get caught. But they have masks. They end up going into the park. Looks like they'd probably be in Central Park type deal or whatever park they're at. And they go in like, hey, what should we do? I don't know. You see that raccoon up there? in the tree why don't we make it a carnage raccoon i'm like well why would you do that every step of the way i'm like what's going on why are they doing this they end up making the carnage raccoon now you already set up that dylan thinks he can control the carnage symbiote but can't really fully so it's very you know a loose deal you're expecting things to go wrong because of this because now they're just walking around town with this crazy upright walking carnage raccoon and they end up going into a 7-Eleven and they're like, I, it, they don't seem to be going to steal things. They just walk in and the shop owner freaks out because there's a standing up walking raccoon with glowing eyes that looks at least rabid, if not just crazy supernatural. The guy then says, get out of the way. I'm going to kill that raccoon, which then makes the boys upset and then makes them take the symbiote from the raccoon and threaten the guy with it. I'm like, this poor guy, she's just working at the 7-Eleven. He's just trying to work and a raccoon has come in that has glowing eyes and drooling fangs and he's trying to get it. Huh? 
they run off and then they just go home. So nothing happened. They go home and they end up going there. And at one point I even thought that they ended up losing the thing and having all this, but they end up going back. And now we have a weird deal going on because now the crazy one turns into it's Normie. Normie now becomes wonder what now it's like the good son now. I wonder why, you know, my mom's talking to, to Dylan too much because he she must love him and not me and she's not paying attention. And I know everything that old Dylan's saying is a complete lie. He's like an Eddie Haskell, if you know what that means anymore, and I should have the okay boomer, but hey. Are you an angel? Well of that. But yeah. He's saying all the things just to get her on his side. Now, I don't think I'm going to like this, and I'm going to expose him. And I'm going to, like, what happened? What happened to these two kids that were so nice together and having fun? Well, you end up that Harry and and Liz, they, they want to go out on the town. They don't know anything's wrong. You know, they're just the kids there on the lockdown, so they can't leave them alone. So you do end up having Liz call her brother calls uh, her brother Mark, Mark Allen, who is the Molten Man, and he shows up. And y- you should know this only because it comes into play for one little phrase, very odd phrase as well. But they end up where you have Normie kind of going off as rocker while you have Dylan doing his dark poetry in his journal. And you see some, and it is. It's its horrendous stuff. It really is. This is the stuff that the minute that somebody finds us at school, they're calling the guidance counselor, and you may now be homeschooled because they don't want you around. He's got some crazy stuff. And so he ends up writing this. You end up having Normie grab it. Hey, I'm going to read this. This stuff is crazy. And then you have them fight, but Dylan really freak out. How dare you call me crazy? And he ends up fighting back. I'm not crazy, yells where you do see the carnage symbiote thing going. And you see Uncle Mark, he, he's really earning his pay of booze and pizza. And the problem is you end up offering a guy as payment to watch kids booze. I, he, he may pass out. And that's what Mark did. He's passed out. Hey, pizza's enough. You don't need to have, and this seems to be wine. Got the things. Oh, what a fancy fella he is drinking the wine there. Uh, probably sniffing the cork, I see. But yeah, just give him the pizza. Then he might be up. And they're fighting. And Mark's not waking up. Uncle Mark's not waking up. And you end up having Dylan punch Normie with what then ends up being the Carnage symbiote fist. And they go flying out the window, which now, which I wasn't aware of, actually is about you know, eight to 10 stories up, they're going to die. They are there. Now, the little sliver of carnage. Symbiote does not save them. I thought it would. What saved them then is Sleeper. The Sleeper symbiote comes out. Full man now goes out of his cat form. Full man as Uncle Mark finally wakes up. Oh, what was that? He ends up because they crashed out the window. Sleeper symbiote grabs them and says, as they still are trying to fight, says to, to Dylan, Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on? What's up with this carnage symbiote? You got this from the Norman Osborne deal, didn't you? Uh, How can you be so reckless? Give it to me. I will absorb it. It'll be done with. Done. Case closed. Gone. Tillin just says, no, you, you know that Eddie would want me to have it. And Sleeper's like, yeah, that checks out. I'm like, checks out where? 
I mean, what, what do you, what do you, let's cross reference this a bit. Maybe somehow you can get a hold of somebody. Maybe you can't get a hold of Eddie's on Island, but maybe you can talk to somebody else that might have an idea about this because I have a feeling that anybody you get a hold of, they're not going to like that. But he ends up letting them keep it. They go home, sneak back in, run up to the room. Now, the problem is the windows broke. So when you have Mark come in, they have to pretend that something else went on again. It doesn't match the art with the story. This is a nitpick, but these are the things that drive me nuts. If you listen to the DC podcast, you'll realize these are the things that always drive me nuts. You end up with Dylan with a bat. He's on the one bed. The other bed, you have Normie with his baseball glove and a ball. And you end up with Mark. Come in. Malton Man says, hey, what's going on in here? Well, what's all the crashing and the window breaking? And you end up having Normie say we were playing baseball. Okay, checks out. I see you got the equipment. Yeah, that checks out. And then you end up having Dylan say, Normie hit it a little too hard. Well, first off, you're holding the bat, Dylan. What, what, what are you doing? Throwing your friend under the bus when you, you're hand, holding the bat. Plus, they have the ball. You would It would have went out. It would have went out the window. And also, the glass, for some reason, is broken inwards. So this just doesn't match where you do end up having Mark like, all right, checks out to me. Doesn't check out. And then he says, okay, well, you might get in trouble, but, you know, doesn't say since I'm the molten man, but might as well. I melded the window sill shut. I melded it shut. W- what the hell does that mean? You melded the window shut. All right. Thanks a lot, Mark. Go back and drink your wine and eat your pizza because you're nonsense. I-, I don't even know what the heck he's doing. And then they're like, all right. And you end up having uh, a whole thing go on, though, because there's, you know, Dylan, he's laying down. He's having his fun. You know, end up having Mark get some sleep, whatever. And you end up having Normie think, oh, man, I can't wait till he gets out of here. Just a few more days with that monster. And then you end up having Dylan being talked to straight up now from Null, who ends up saying they'll treat you like an animal. They'll cage you. They'll starve you. They'll strangle you. They'll kill you with knives. They'll kill you with traps. They'll kill you with poisons. They'll kill you with guns. They may burn you alive unless you kill them first. And now we have Dylan straight up serial killer. That's all he is now. He is a serial killer in the making. And that's a shame because I really liked him. I read now again, he may turn out by the end to be the savior that ends up destroying all this. But we're going to probably deal with this whole deal with Dylan being wrong and off for a while till we get to the big event. And again, like I said, it's a shame. You end up introducing Dylan. You end up having Eddie know that it's his son, but say, hey, I'm your brother, going all this. You finally end up with Dylan finding that out. Eddie has to go, and if this pans out the way it looks, we're not going to get that father-son deal that I really wanted. I really liked their connection. We didn't get it much, but when we do, it was great. And this sort of turn, this sort of good son twist, Having it here in a one shot to me, uh, who knows that everybody's going to read it, number one. And I would have rather have had Donnie Cates handle it than have Zach Thompson handle it in this one shot. I would rather have this in the Venom book. You could have had it through, you know, maybe a little backup or, you know, one or two panels each issue of Venom Island to show what's going on, kind of lead into when Eddie comes back. But it's just thrown here. It feels off. It, It really throws me out of the deal because I really did like Normie and 
Dylan. I like their connection. I like that they were two kids that end up having the most horrific things happen to them, but both their families and themselves, and they have grown a friendship because of that. They end up, you know, liking each other. They save each other. They have each other's backs. And now they hate each other. They want to kill each other. And Dylan's a serial killer. And you end up having Normie being just pretty much a caged animal who is jealous of everything. So it really threw me off. And and what's Sleeper doing? You, you take that carnage symbiote and you absorb it if that's what you can do. Please. But... That's the end. I'm going to give it a five. I'll even give it a special five and a few five that we do over at the DC podcast, but we'll do it here as well. Uh, and in fact, that's what Brandon did. We were both together on both books uh, with what went down. I hope that you enjoyed just me talking again. Now it's way late. I really wanted to have this done and I went too long as I always do. I start blabbing, blabbermouth, they call me. I will mention again, we do have a Twitter account, WS Marvel Comics. Follow us, we follow you. We have a website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. Reviews hit at 9 a.m. on a Wednesday morning, Eastern Standard Time. We also have a Patreon. The Patreon account is patreon.com slash weird science. All these should be in the show notes if I do my things right. And there's where you go to support us, but also get a ton of other shows, other podcasts, not just Marvel, but DC as well. Indie comics. We also have a pop culture podcast. We do a bunch of different things. Not all just me, some with me and Brandon, some with me and Eric, some other things as well. And next week, because it is an annuals week or a fifth Wednesday of the month and every time from here on out every fifth Wednesday will do the same the podcast will be a patreon only deal if you don't want to get involved you can just wait for a couple weeks we'll be back with the regular deal but if you want to get everything and and check out the things kind of have a free trial join up around February 1st you won't be charged right away you only get charged on March 1st if you decide to stay if you quit before then you'll never be charged you can check out every single episode we do up until then and then bail if you want if that's the game you're gonna play um but i will say i told you i was gonna give you a little inkling of what these shows will be and what i'm thinking what we'll have is well the friday show that i'll do with amazing spider-man daily bugle number one dr strange number two spider ham number two and star wars number two i'm going to continue with the star wars i did like that first issue so those that would be the friday show again that will be patreon only the monday show with me and brandon hopefully will be thor number two avengers of the wasteland number one hawkeye freefall number two and jessica jones blind spot number two and me and brandon I don't know. I don't hear a lot of hype, but me and Brandon have been looking forward to Avengers of the Wasteland number one. So I hope that that is good. And then I told you that we'd have a bonus show. And I think the bonus show would be Ravencroft number one, Immortal Hulk number 30, getting back to the Hulk and Avengers number 30, where the star brand is revealed. That's the conclusion of that star brand story. But yeah, I'm going to continue. And that would probably be me, me, myself and I. And that's one of those where I do want to get back to the Hulk as well. So again, if you want to go over there, if you want to help support us, if you want to get these extra shows of all these different things, it is weird. So what is it? Hey, I'm so tired now. It And and really, if you want to support us for all the work we do on this show, if, if you sit there and say, boy, they do some work and I laugh because I'm like, eh, but that is patreon.com slash weird science. Go over there. 
But if not, see you in two weeks. But hopefully I'll see you in a little bit because I always like seeing people. And if I see you before you see me, I don't know. That's saying that they say, but I'm getting a little giddy. It's very late right now. So I'm going to finish up. Thanks, everybody. I hope that you give the Patreon a shot. If not, see you later.